RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. T-Mobile blew the fight. Uh, that wasn't supposed to go up, but it did. Um, this is for the official heavyweight title. You know, we've been working on a new agreement with Francis for like two years now. And uh, we had gotten to a point where, uh, you know, he was going to fight John Jones and many, many who believe, including me, that he's the best of all time, um, you know, for, for, for the heavyweight championship. And John Jones has been willing and ready and able to fight anybody. He didn't care who it was. Could have been anybody in the heavyweight division. He was ready to go. Um, and Francis, we, we offered Francis a deal that would have made him the highest paid heavyweight in the history of the company. More than Lesnar, more than anybody. Um, and he turned the deal down. So, you know, I, I don't know, you know, we, we get to this point where I, I've told you guys this before, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. Uh, you know, I think Francis is in a place right now where he wants, he doesn't want to take a lot of risk. Feels like he's in a good position um, where he could fight lesser opponents and and make more money. So we're gonna we're gonna let him do that. We're, we're gonna release him from his contract. We're gonna give up our right to match, and he can go wherever he wants and do whatever he wants. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where we're at. And that was UFC president Dana White last night following UFC Vegas 67, letting us know that Francis Ngannou is no longer a member of the UFC as they have not been able to come to a new contract with him. They were releasing him from his deal and most notably the fact that the UFC is uh, going to waive their matching rights. So boy, what a Saturday night it was in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, we had a, the first UFC event of the year. Sean Strickland going out there, taking a fight on a week's notice and going out and doing what he did in that matchup. Uh, you got to talk about Roman Kopolov, what he was doing. A fun fight between him and Sean Soriano. Umar Namagamadov, boy, man, did he, he look great there. But uh, really, the takeaway from last night is what Dana White talked about there is the fact of it. It all starts kind of this picture that leaks on social media from the T-Mobile arena that Jones and, and Gone is being booked. And Dana White, you know, talked about that last night, that there was a, there was a mistake made on, on his team's part and also on, on the team over there at T-Mobile. But to me, this is like my major takeaway from what Dana White said last night is this i want to hear the francis Ngannou side of the story how how similar or how different is it from the version that we heard from dana white there last night and uh, i mean look it's un as fight fans it's unfortunate that we're not going to see francis Ngannou versus john jones and look when i think about francis Ngannou, i think the to me if you told me place bets where I think Francis Ngannou fights next, I would put my money on the PFL. Who knows? Maybe he gets that Tyson Fury fight. If he gets that Tyson Fury fight, good him, man. Go get that bag, Francis. And, you know, Dana White, he went 
typical Dana White last night, and you know, talking about how Francis doesn't want to fight the best of the best. I'm like, come on, man. He's been fighting the best of the best. And and to me, you know, if, if you go back and you listen to some of these old Francis interviews, I mean, everything's not about money. So clearly there, there's more to it. But the fact is, Francis Ngannou is going to have the ability to make a lot of money, whether that's in the PFL, maybe it's Bellator. You got to imagine if you, I know Scott Coker had a tweet about it. I saw uh, someone put it in, in my mentions. Look, it's it's just if, if you're Francis Ngannou, why not go to the PFL? Now, maybe if you're Francis Ngannou, maybe you can go over to Bellator and maybe somehow Scott Coe convinced Fedor to have another fight and maybe you do that matchup. But uh, it's a, a very interesting evening last night uh, in Las Vegas. You know, the other interesting part of last night by the way welcome to the interview edition of the Ameriport podcast i do got four interviews here on this week's episode of the podcast but we wanted to talk about what dana white had to say there last night uh by the way you're gonna hear from two fighters who have upcoming matchups in the ufc here from a man that's gonna be a part of that ufc fight night car on february the 4th which i did not know until last night because i just haven't been paying attention that that main card is a 1 a.m eastern time start there uh, of course that's gonna be the car headlined by uh lewis and spivak you're gonna hear from more than minutes gonna be part of that main car as he's gonna have his second fight in the ufc adam fuget had a chance to talk to him also you're gonna hear from a man that's gonna be taking the trip down to perth for ufc 284 don shanus and also you're gonna hear for a man who, who knows, maybe we see him in the UFC or Bellator here in the very near future, Earl Small. And then the final interview you're going to hear is with a fighter who's an amateur fighter, trains out of the academy up there in Minnesota. You know, uh, John Castaneda trains up there. Mike Richmond trains up there. Matt Kowalski, I had a chance to talk to Mac about his start, uh, his start in mixed martial arts, has a wrestling background, so you get to know him later on in the show. Now, the other piece of um, audio that I wanted to play for you and I put this on my Twitter last night. And look, I think that overall the perception, I think, in the mixed martial arts community is Brett Okamoto is, look, he's Dana White's preferred media member. And sometimes you maybe you feel that, you know, maybe Brett doesn't ask the questions that should be asked. But Brett Okamoto, I give all kudos to him last night because he did ask the questions that needed to be asked. This week is slap. I guess, how are you feeling Four, four days out, obviously the circumstances have changed a little bit with the incident that happened. How are you feeling about the launch of this thing that you said that you've been planning for years? Yeah, no, I'm feeling good. I mean, I, I haven't really thought of it, but we'll really start hitting it hard tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I feel good. I think, I think that uh, it's insanely entertaining and I think people are going to like it. Has, has your involvement or your presence within the show itself, has that changed at all mm-hmm. after what happened? No, everything's the same. Everything's the same? Yeah. We pushed it back a week because I was supposed to come back and do like this whole media tour, which obviously wasn't going to happen when I got back. So that was the reason for the delay yeah. of the media tour. Yeah. Okay. Was it ever in jeopardy, or, jeopardy, or how close was it in jeopardy to not airing? What do you mean? Just not airing completely, like the TBS just did, didn't want to put it on anymore. Was that ever a possibility? No. No. Okay. And then since you spoke on Wednesday. You know, you said, don't defend me, and I deserve anything that people say. I think the narrative now has changed over the last few days that Dana White has apologized now. But the main criticism is that he didn't face any professional repercussions. And you did speak on that on Wednesday, but now I want to ask you, since you've had a few days now, and that's sort of been the big, big takeaway, that what message does that send about domestic violence, that a president of a company would, would get away? And, and you're talking about repercussions in your personal life, but people are talking about repercussions in a professional life. Is there any, any thoughts that you have? Or- the only thing that matters is my personal life. 
What else is there? Well, I think the, the people who are who are talking are what? about it, the narrative, say that yeah. there has to be there there should be some professional consequence. For okay, so what should it be? No one seems to really have an opinion on that. They just I hear you. So my final question is: Had Endeavor came to you and said, "Hey, we do think that you should walk, that, that we need you to step away for thirty days, forty-five days, six months, whatever it was," what would your reaction have been to that? Had Endeavor asked that? I told you I was going to leave in two thousand sixteen with the sale. Could have sat out during COVID. You know, what what should my punishment be? Yeah, I guess. I guess. And you say there's going to be repercussions in your personal life, but none in your professional life. What matters other than my personal life? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing matters except for my personal life. This is great. Love doing it. Don't have to do it. And as I tweeted about last night, I said, hey, kudos to Brett Akimoto for asking these questions, these important questions. And interesting that Dana White says the only reason that Power Slap was delayed a week was due to media obligations. And then I was, and I said, B, what happens in the future if a UFC fighter has a similar incident? That is going, that to me is as we go and as last week unfolded, you started to see more and more media members start to question what are the consequences for Dana White. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me how this has been handled by it, because I as I said on Wednesday, I truly feel that if this was a fighter. It's a totally different situation than the way it's being handled. But also, I'll say this. I give a kudos for Dana White for going up there on Wednesday and talking to the media and talking to the media last night. Now, Dana does, you know, he he does this thing with when there are, you know, these tough type questions where he likes to throw the question back to the media media and in that situation the media didn't ask but I saw someone and I forget who it was it might have been John Nash last night wrote on Twitter and said you know what when you talk about what the follow-up question should be is maybe the question should be is what message does this send from a professional aspect to maybe somebody who's 13 14 15 years old and maybe they look up to you and I thought that was a very interesting way uh, to take it in. And I, you know, I also, you know, speaking of power slap, I saw Eric McCracken. He had a tweet the other day and basically saying, he "Goes, hey, if you're a MMA media member, are you going to be writing about power slap?" And, and Eric has has expressed his opinions the way he feels about power slap. But and, and of course, a lot of people said, like, look, if it, if it gets clicks, you're going to see power slap coverage on. MMA junkie, MMA fighting, MMA weekly, sure dog, whatever it may be. If it gets clicks, people are going to sit there and, you know, I, I'm you know, the power slap thing is not something that really truly intrigues me, but I, I kind of just based on some of the, the promo clips I've been put out there, I just feel like it's, it's, it's going to be the ultimate fighter. That, that's the way I feel about it. And the ultimate fighter just is a show that, I just haven't cared to watch about for the past couple of years. But I know this is the interview edition of the show, so let's get right into the interviews. So i got four fire interviews coming up for you. So you're going to hear from Anna Fugette, Don Shanus, Earl Small, and Matt Kukowski. 
Joining me now here on the MMA Report is the man that's going to step back inside the octagon. Come up here on February 4th, UFC Vegas 68. Adam, uh, appreciate time. Obviously, it's been a while since we saw you uh, when you made your UFC debut there, uh, you know, back in July of last year. But, you know, one of the things that I noticed over on your Instagram uh, feed was the fact of you, you crediting the UFC PI and how they've helped you. And I was listening to it in our interview you did where you, you kind of talked about, you know, they had looked at your weight. And I thought probably the funniest thing you said was you know i thought i'd be like a, a big guy and i'm i'm warning that uh when it comes to the rest of these ufc fighters i'm just kind of an average body style that's right you know <laughs> i uh i guess when you go and uh you expect to be uh you know i don't know i expect to be average at least or you know ahead a little bit here and for them to tell me oh no you know you got you got a lot of room of improvement. You could take it as a negative or you can kind of just, you know, take it and run with it and say, hey, look, there's a lot of area for me to improve now. So I've just been at, at it on the grind trying to improve in the areas I need to improve in. You know, I've talked to a lot of guys who, who've taken advantage of the PI and, and all the, the data and tools that the trainers have there in, in terms of, you know, you know, looking at your body, doing that full body composition and kind of telling you, like, I, I never forget a, a story one fighter told me and they had that mindset of you got to train three times a day, got to train three times a day. And they said they went over to PI and, you know, the PI is going through the questions and they're talking about training and, and they go, you're actually hurting yourself by training three times a day. What was there anything that the people at the PI said to you about that ultimately led to you potentially changing how you do things on a day in day out basis? Definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, I've always been, I, I put martial arts first, you know, um, over my strength and conditioning over, um, some of my cardio. And I, I totally believe myself to have great cardio, um, I don't feel like I've ever really like gassed in a, a fight that I've had time to prepare for. And um, so going there and doing, you know, I figure, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong guy. I grew up working on farms and, and throwing hay around and, you know, I'm strong and to go there and to, to kind of get the feedback that I got, we're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're a little below average, man. We gotta, we gotta get this fixed. And so I come back and, and got um, on a, a regiment, you know, um, of getting myself in there, hitting some weights, you know, um, throwing, definitely throwing the weights around more than I ever have and, um, put myself, um, actually up in calories. Cause again, I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big welterweight, you know? And, and so I put myself up some calories and I've just seen nothing but gains. And then not only that, like feeling it in my body and feeling how that works in performance is just, um, you know, it's been great. So it's been nothing but the best since going there. And I actually want to go back and retest and see where I've kind of tried to make up some of the gaps, you know, you're not going to do it overnight. So I got to know what, I, what I've done so far. Like, I, as you think about, you know, the, the buildup to this fight and, and where you at were in July of last year, just from a, a strength aspect, do you, are you seeing noticeable gains that, that, you know, maybe back in, in June of last year, maybe things that you're doing now, you just weren't able to do back then. 100%. My, um, quite frankly, I was surprised how crap some of my mobility was too in the July fight. Um, I've always thought myself as an athletic guy and, um, I've always felt that in there being the better athlete in the cage and to hop in there against somebody like Michael Morales, who just, I mean, he just walks on air. It seems like just effortlessly moves around the cage, um, you know, to feel that and go, okay, 
I'm going to have to start working on some stuff to, to get on some takedowns on him and just to be kind of felt like I was just shrugged off. Like, okay, now I need to really get down the nitty gritty and, and build that strength too. So I've just been with a, a, with a strength coach um, here recently, just trying to build those two things as well as work on, you know, my game and, and figuring out the holes in that. So, um, but yeah, I definitely kind of changed my mindset in the, the stuff outside of mixed martial arts. I need to, I, you know, speed training, um, agility training, strength training, they're all a must. You gotta be putting, filling up the buckets every day a little bit, you know? You know, you, you mentioned about that, that Michael Morales matchup, uh, you know, as you, are you the type of athlete that you constantly go back and you look at that fight or did there just kind of become a point where you just moved on? I've moved on, you know? Um, but that being said, I feel like, you know, there's always like, things to study. There's always things to learn from those fights. And, um, you know, I haven't watched it, you know, probably in a, a good few months, but, um, you know, I'm definitely after this one, I'm going to go back and compare notes and, mm-hmm. you know, see where I made my improvements in this fight. And, and, uh, you know, and also, you know, there was some stuff in that fight that I, I I'm going to take away to this next one. I'm going to see how it plays out in this one. Just, just the different results, you know, um, our fights are all experiences and they're all, you know, kind of a part of uh, our growth as fighters. And, you know, I think it would just be a disservice to, to completely ignore them. If, even if they don't go your way, I mean, not everything's going to go your way. Yeah, it's just how it is. You know, you, you talk about that word growth and, you know, athletes are always talking about that. It doesn't matter what we're talking about MMA or we're, we're talking baseball, you know, it's, it's all about how, how you're growing as an athlete. I mean, you, you talked about the strength aspect of, of how you, you've grown as a martial artist, but what, what are some of the other things that you believe that you're going to be able to showcase here uh, that maybe people didn't see back in July? You know, um, I like to just say that I'm kind of a melting pot and I like to be the embodiment of mixed martial arts. I don't think that I am great in any one area. I feel like I have tools all over the place. And, um, you know, that being said, I made a mistake uh, in my in the Morales fight. When I got on top, I was a little impatient and I tried to push it um, a little fast on a guard pass. And I want to go back and you know, fix that. But all I can do is look forward to the next one. And if I, you know, if we end up on the ground, if I get the fight to the ground, I want to improve that. I want to show people like, Hey, you know, um, I'm not going to make that that mistake twice. You know, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait, uh, wait for my opportunity. I'm going to make, you know, my opponent be uncomfortable while we're waiting for that opportunity to make that pass. And, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something I want to improve on going into this one. Is that one of the hardest traits to have as an MMA fighter is being patient and, and waiting for that opportunity to open up for yourself. I can't speak for everybody, but for me, a hundred percent, I have no problem getting in there and saying, Hey, let's go. Let's meet, meet me in the middle, stand toe to toe and let's do this thing. You know, um, I like to, to get into the fight and, you know, and it's not the smartest thing. It's not. And, you know, <laughs> At this level, everybody's a good athlete. Everybody, you know, these are the, some of the best fighters in the world, you know. And, yeah, you definitely, if you were a patient guy before, you're probably going to be a little bit more patient. If you're like me and you're a little bit more of a hard-headed guy and, and want to get in there and fight, you definitely got to evolve and start being patient. And, you know, um, 
worked on work on your ring craft, work on your ring control, and you know, or your octagon control. And you know, um, I want to put on exciting fights, but um, I also want to win too. Um, you know, so going into a fifty fifty battle isn't always the smartest thing, right? You're gonna lose those half the time, most of the time. I mean, they talk about like there's there's that line, you know, of like you you may not necessarily want to cross that line where you know you, you get too you get too aggressive or you get too reckless, but you know also you know it's like hey you want to put yourself in the best position to walk away because we all know how this this sport works. You go out there get a W. There's a second check waiting for you. Now there could be a third check if you go out there and really put on something spectacular, but like. For you, how do you balance that? Like, it, it or is that more of a thing of like it's in the fight? It, you don't really think about it, and it's just kind of like it, it's a give and take type type situation of whether or not you maybe cross that line, and and maybe if you do cross that line, it, it leads to a highlight real finish. I mean, that the prime example of that is the last fight with with Michael. You know, going into the third round, you know, we were pretty confident we got the first round. Um, and you know, it could have been one, one, it could have been two, uh, two Oh, you know, um, but we were pretty confident going there. We had at least one of those rounds. Um, and instead of being patient, you know, the first round, the, 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 the takedown came to me off of, a, a, a defending a couple of punches and getting into the body, you know, um, I was told going into the round, like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's put this guy back on the ground. Let's, let's, you know, we're, we're close. This thing's close. Let's do this. And, um, what I had heard was, Hey, let's go. We're going to put the pressure on this dude, <laughs> put him up against. We're going to take him down. Um, that wasn't necessarily what we were talking. You know, my coaches were wanting me to do. Um, but that's just kind of where my head goes again. I'm not afraid to throw myself into the fire and, and, and put myself on that 50, 50 line. And, in hindsight now looking back, I'm like, man, I could have been a little bit more patient. Um, do that, you know, do that exchange and that aggression that I put in there. I ended up overextending. I wasn't patient. I did the complete opposite. I, I threw myself in there and I overextended it. And a talented fighter like Mike Morales is, is looking to catch you anytime you do that. And that's it, you know, what ended up being my downfall. So, you know, could have played out a lot differently had I taken my foot off the gas pedal a little bit and tried to to wait for the fight to come to me just a little bit, you know? It's going to be a different environment this time. You know, last time it was a pay-per-view card, so you had all the, the fans in the building. This one's at the Apex. There's, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a small portion of fans there. Like, have you thought about that aspect? Not so much. That being that question being asked, man, it, was it amazing to be in that arena with the lights and the fans and uh, you know people talk about jitters, but all I felt was just like this is this is the the dream, the goal that I set for myself when I hit this this uh, journey, and, and I'm here, and I I just felt nothing but comfort in that moment, and um, you know the apex is going to be a little bit different. Um, I like to say my opponent's got the leg up there. He's already fought in the apex, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's a competition. It's a fight. We, we're both getting in there to do the same thing. And, um, you know, whether the fans are many or few, um, I don't think it's going to change how those lights feel on our backs when we get in the octagon. 
And when you we think about your opponent, I mean, obviously you've you've had you know weeks to get ready for this one, and um, you know thinking about you know different scenarios of how it can play out, you know how he might attack you, how you would attack him. Like like what's the first thing when when you hear your opponent's name? Is there something like immediately that comes to your mind? <laughs> um, <laughs> damn, this guy's keeping me from eating. The breakfast burritos I so desperately love. That's what I hear. <laughs> no, um, that's a good question. No, I just see my next, um, you know, my next opponent, my next competition, the next opportunity to prove myself. Um, I very much feel like um, I still have to do that. I still got to go in there and prove to everybody that not only um, did I deserve the, this opportunity, but I belong in the UFC and uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to be the gatekeeper to getting in the UFC. You know, I, I know that's kind of like what it seems like my role is right now. He's coming off his contender series win. It's his first fight is, you know, his debut fight, but, um, you know, Adam's the, the gatekeeper here. Uh, he's, he's the one with the contract. If anything, he's, he's my opportunity to get the next contract. And so that's all I'm looking at it as is, I got to get through him to get that next contract. And, and that's what I'm focused on. I mean, I know there there's pressure no matter what side of the fight you're on, you know, what people may feel about you, what people feel about your opponent, but do you kind of, in a way, do you, do you feel less pressure going into this one than, than you did your last one? You know, I feel like all the pressure, um, has gone out the window. Um, shoot clear back to the pandemic happening, you know, um, DC kind of questioned me a little bit in the interview. Like, Oh, you, you said you didn't know if fighting was going to continue for you. And I was like, man, we were on a hiatus. There was no competition yeah. happening. Anyway. I didn't, you know, everyone wants to poke fun at my age and say, Oh, you're too old. Well, I didn't know when I was going to stop and step in there again. The, the only thing I could do to keep myself sane was to jump in the gym and train every day and, and just keep, you know, keep on that grind and, you know, it, it's worked out. I, you know, um, so as far as feeling any pressure, nah, this is just, this is what I live for. You know, this is what I do. This is what I wake up and, and get my day started with is just training and, and basically being at work. It, when you think about your, your keys to victory in, in terms of this one is, I mean, obviously you're not going to give away your game plan. I'm, I'm, I'm smart enough to realize that, but like, as you think about like, you know, Hey, you know, I've got to do this. I got to do that. Is there something that really sticks out to you of like, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I know the cliche could be like, Hey, I just gotta be first. You know, I, mm -hmm. I gotta be the, you know, I, I was thinking, I was listening to a, a former NFL coach and he, he was talking about his mentality and he said, my mentality was, we just always gotta be attack, 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 attack. I mean, yeah. is, is that kind of the way you look at this fight is like, look, man, I just have to be on the offense. No, if anything, it's got, it, um, it's different. Uh, if anything for me, it's, you know, I have no problem attacking. I, I, I love it. I want to push the action. I want to push the pace. If anything, I need to be responsible. Um, they have a say in all other sports and I have yet to kind of really hear it in our sport. So I'm, I'm hopefully going to be the first one to say it. And that's, defense wins championships right um i gotta be defensively responsible don't overextend you know don't give him any opportunities uh kinoshita is another you know michael morales type you give him a window and he's gonna jump right through it so 
you know, be defensively defensively responsible. And then, you know, after that, get to my spots, get to, get to where I know that I'm going to be successful. You know, um, obviously we're both training. He's working different things. I'm working different things, but I have things in my camp that I'm working and I need to get to those spots. And, you know, as it sits right now on my, on my board, my, my goal board, if I get to those spots, then I'm going to have a good night, you know? But at the first thing that needs to happen is that it need to be defensively, defensively responsible. I cannot underestimate this guy. I have to be accountable at all times. So what's on that goal board for 2023? Oh man, uh, that's that's a cliche for me. I want to fight. I want four more fights. You know, in the UFC. Um, you know, I I want a couple of fight night bonuses in there. Um, <clears throat> I'm late to the party, you know, hopefully it's fashionably late and I, and I can, you know, catch up a little bit, you know, and move myself up the, the rankings. That's awesome. We look forward to seeing this fight here. UFC Vegas, number 68, coming up here on February 4th. Of course, everyone watched on ESPN plus Adam appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah. I just want to, you know, shout out anybody that uh, everybody has been helping me out these last few years. Um, Brad's Cottage Grove Chevrolet, Evergreen Roofing, um, Curtis Large, those guys have backed me all the way through the one second, <coughs> all the way through the pandemic. You know, these guys have my back. My team, Art of War, Convergence Physical Therapy. Thank you so much, guys. Um, Hot Valley Brewing, also. So, thank you. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man's going to be going over international for his next UFC fight. Don, uh, appreciate the time. We're we're still obviously a couple weeks away from from you heading overseas down under for for this matchup. And uh, you know, what I was listening to an interview you did, and I thought one of the the most interesting things I, I heard you talk about was you know kind of of knowing where you want your weight to be before you get on that flight because well, it's a long damn flight. Yeah, yeah. So I think the flight's going to be like 30-something hours. Uh, I think we're still trying to figure out what flight I'm taking because there's a couple different ways to get over there, whether you're going to L.A. to Sydney to Perth or from Boston to Qatar to Perth. So we're still trying to figure that out. But uh, I know I want my weight in fucking check before I even take off. You know, 15 pounds is uh, pretty smooth sailing. So from there, I'm just going to figure it out. Of course, uh, you know, you had that, that fight where you took a, a two-week notice, and, and now you, you've got this one, much longer camp. But, um, you know, what has training looked like for you? Uh, obviously, I know you're, you're back there in the Northeast. Uh, what ultimately led your decision to head back to the Northeast? Well, training out here is very different from what I got accustomed to. Um, I was coming from a, a room full of killers and, uh, you know, some great coaching, but, you know, things kind of turned out in a way where I had to make some moves and, and, you know, gun to my head, I had to make a decision. I didn't have time to wait around. So I chose to come back home and uh, work with my, my head coach, um, my former head coach, my head coach, you know, and um, just figure it out. And uh, life has its way of throwing itself in your face. And uh, it's not always, you know, the toughest that win is those that can adapt. So fuck it. You know, and I know you've talked about, you know, and I think anyone who kind of knows that that Northeast training uh, scene knows that uh, mm-hmm. you kind of got to go around. So uh, how many yeah. miles are we putting on the car every week to to get from gym to gym? Too damn many. Too damn many. You know, I, I'll tell you what, you know, I went from driving uh, five minutes a day to, you know, like today, right? I went up to my buddy. He has a gym. 
I uh, went up to his place. We trained for a solid hour and a half. Took me 45 minutes to get there, come back, ate lunch. And now in about half an hour, I got to go up to Boston, which depending on traffic, you know, that could be a 45-minute ride to a two-hour ride. So I got to account for traffic and traveling's a pain in the ass. But uh, after this camp, I think I'm going to do some shopping around and um, check out some new gyms, see what I like, see where I fit in and uh, figure it out from there. You had an Instagram post uh, 13 weeks ago uh, where you said 13 mm-hmm. weeks out, plenty of time to get the mind, body, and soul just right for the biggest UFC card of the year. Um, w- was that one of your takeaways, um, you know, kind of in the in, in terms of the mindset heading this one as opposed – I mean, obviously, last one was a two-week notice. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of – you know, you, you had to get so much done in those two weeks just get ready for, for fight night. But uh, was there, you know, things you had to do differently this time? Uh, no, I just got to trust the process, you know. Granted, last fight, it was kind of – I was under the the situation where it's like, I don't know how many more of these calls I'm ever going to get, and if I don't take this opportunity, I'll never get it. I, like, if I, I truly believe if I didn't take my last fight, I wouldn't have been in the UFC. So that being said, th- it was no decision. I had to do what I had to do. Granted, it was probably the worst timing for me to take a fight. Uh, I was coming off an injury. My weight was super high. I took a month off of training, and – um I, I had to do what I had to do, but um, ultimately, you know, I wanted to do things for this camp right. I love the matchup. I have plenty of time to get my weight in check. One of the biggest things, and and uh, obviously it's not the reason I fought like shit my last fight, but it is definitely a factor in everything was my weight cut. You know, I cut way too much weight, uh, and I want to not make the same mistake again. You know, I I want a nice, easy weight cut the day of, and uh, that's that. So just trying to focus on what I need to improve and be a better version of me. Um, And they gave me plenty of time. So granted, I did do one, you know, I did do one in two weeks. It fucking sucked. But uh, it's kind of uh, a nice, nice turnaround to have, you know, almost three months. You mentioned about the matchup here against Jack Jenkins, about how much you, you, you love it. Was there, um, you know, obviously when you get the phone call and, and, you know, your manager says, hey, this is the opponent. And when you popped in that film, was there just something that immediately stuck out to you of, of why you love the matchup? I saw him fight live. Um, so when I went out to fight Sadiq Yusuf, I got in on a Tuesday. He fought in the Contender Series Week 10 with Bo Nickel headlining. And I watched that fight and uh, ultimately – I, I watched the fight, and I, and I was thinking, I'm like, oh, man, what a good matchup, you know, either of these guys would be. He ended up winning the fight, and uh, fuck it, let's see if I'm right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, let's see if I was right, because in that moment, you know, I, I have yet to make my UFC debut. I'm, I'm coming in for my UFC debut. I could have very easily gone on the call for the Contender Series. Uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to. I wasn't fortunate enough to have a camp, and I'm, and I'm there thinking, watching these fights. I'm like, fuck. You know, granted, I get to do it this weekend for the UFC, but, uh, you know, he earned his contract. Now it's time for me to to show why I belong here. Yeah, there, there was a, a comment in your interview with James Lynch that, that stuck out to me. You said, I find out if I belong here or not. Um, oh, yeah. What, what, made, what, what made you come to that, that realization? I, I mean, you know, you got to live by the sword and die by the sword, right? So, so in my mind, I've worked my ass off for 10 years to get in this position, right? To, to put myself under the biggest platform, the biggest lights, the biggest everything, 
right? And and ultimately believe in myself and, and you know, in doing so, you know, I want to not only inspire myself, but other people in doing it. And, uh, you know, and, and that means putting in the work when no one's watching. It means, you know, not doing certain things. It means eating right. It means doing, doing things that aren't always comfortable. Um, so we'll see if I'm able to do all these things and be a true professional. You know, I showed up to my last fight. I made weight. I killed myself to make weight like a professional. And now it's time to perform like a professional. I was just thinking about, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the travel time it's going to take you mm -hmm. to get there. And I know you mentioned um, you're going to go out there a little earlier to a part of that. And, you know, it kind of made me think about, um, you know, Bruce Aaron, when he was coach of the Buccaneers during the 2020 campaign, he said, now, you know, we got to beat the virus, you know, talking about COVID. He says, we got to beat mm -hmm. that, but also win our games. It is part of your mentality of, okay, first I got to beat the travel and, and I got to get my body in the right place. And, and then we worry about the fight. Well, I'm just trying to set myself up for success, right? Like, here's the thing, you know, life, I, I mentioned it earlier, life had its way of throwing itself at you, you know, I had my idea of how this camp was going to go a couple weeks into it, I had to make a game plan. That's just life, you know, the, it, this travel, this time zone, it's just life, you know, and in life, you win and lose and losing's part of life and, and winning's part of life. And you know, it's, it's, it's just life. And, uh, if you can't adapt to it, what are you doing? I mean, do you also kind of look at like, that's like a fight. You got to adapt, of course. you know, of course. I mean, Jack could come out and just show you something totally different that you haven't seen. You got to adapt to it. Well, I, I completely thought my last fight was going to be, you know, CD trying to strike with me and he throws a guillotine up. I'm like, ah, shit. Got one buddy. But, uh, it is what it is. Fucking move forward. How many times that happened in your career where you walked into the fight totally just expecting something out of your opponent and then they just flipped the script on you? I, I can't say I've ever expected. Uh, th there's been a handful of times where I've gone out and competed and what I've expected is exactly what's happened. Um, but there's been way, way, way more, way more times than, uh, than not that, uh, you know, you just go in there and you're like, oh, shit, time to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, as you think about your keys to victory here, is there something that, that sticks out to you above all else? I think pace. I think disrupting his timing. You know, he looks like a pretty clean striker. Granted, in his contender series fight, he grappled. Uh, I don't think that's going to be his game plan for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been wrong in the past. We'll figure that out. I, I do not think he's going to grapple with me. Um I think it's disrupting his timing, level changes, uh, and, and playing in my range, and then like putting on a pace that he's not going to be able to hold up for for 15 minutes. So, in terms of this flight, ha have you thought about how you're going to entertain yourself for 30 plus hours? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. I'm not thinking about it too much. Uh, once I get to Australia, it'll be smooth sailing, but. Uh, you know, the, the flight. Yeah, dude, I, I don't even, I don't even know. I've never been on a flight that long. I mean, I think six, seven hours. I've been to Europe a few times, lived in England, but I don't even think the flights are that long. I think the longest I've been on a flight is less than 10 hours. So and just hang out, relax, enjoy the ride, I guess. I, I've done it. I've done a 10 hour flight to Germany. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm not, I'm not a reader. Like uh, it's just not my thing. 
Um, uh-huh. I, I literally just loaded up the iPad with various Netflix shows. That was pretty much it. I was like, I'm going to sleep a little bit, you know, watch a show or two here. But yeah, I, I'm, yeah. It actually, surprisingly, it went relatively fast. Well, I mean, you think about it like this. Like, let's say I leave the first, right? And I get there the third. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be on a flight for a day. But you also lose a day going forward in time. Mm-hmm. So I got to account for that weight-wise. You know, uh, I think one of the biggest adjustments is getting my weight right now in, in a spot to where when I leave, I'm in good position to make weight. Like I, my, my goal is to be ready to make weight before I leave, yeah, you know, so right now I'm only like six, seven pounds off. It, it's crazy to think about too. My last fight, I think I got to Vegas at like 168, 168 and change. And I got down to like 164 and from 164.4, I cut to 40, 46. And, and I was already depleted going into it. You know, it, it was a two week thing. I was cutting too much weight. But I'm already in a position where I'm lighter than what I got to Vegas on fight week. So if I could get another four or five pounds off um, between now and the first, which is a pretty reasonable goal, you know, even not not killing myself, but like another four to five pounds off, I'm going to be in great shape to set myself up for an easy cut. Would you call that the worst weight cut of your life? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The dude. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> dude, that shit sucks. That shit sucks. Like, oh, I like, I could talk about it, but uh, there there was a point in time, like, man, dude, this shit sucked. That that took a piece of my soul. I left a piece of my soul on the floor of the fucking sauna at the PI. You know, um, I think, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, I think, and I've said this, like when you, you travel out to events and you see fighters going through that weight cut, you know, it's, it changes the way you look at things. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was a, this was a big one for me. It's just different than like, you know, like, like say you're, you're just like watching a stream of a way in and, you know, fire comes up to the scale, but when you're actually there and you start seeing kind of the the grueling that it takes out of, out of fighters, you know, yeah. well, that, that, that all, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but that goes, all goes into preparation, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I make 45 with the right amount of time without yeah. a problem. You know, it's usually two tub sessions, maybe three. Um, and, and, and it takes anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour for a session. And I'm losing seven to eight pounds a session. You know, I, I lose weight pretty quickly, but, uh, this one I lost like eight the first session, which was great. And then the second session I lost 3.5. And then the third session I lost 3.5. And I still had another five to go. And I woke up, I floated a pound off, and I still had four pounds, and my body didn't want to let it go. Um, what can I say? It is what it is. You know, I did what I had to do. I, I had to uh, suffer some, and uh, I, did, I did what I said I was going to do. I was going to show up and make weight. Now, of course, you mentioned about going down under Perth and, uh, you know, for fighting in the UFC, you get a chance to maybe cross off some bucket list locations in terms of where you want to fight before you're done. Like, are there some oh, bucket list yeah. uh, locations for you of like you say, man, before I call this in career, I, I want to fight here. I want to fight there. 
my career hasn't even started. How am I gonna how am I gonna think about bucket list shit? I'm just gonna do what comes, you know. Um, my career is just getting started. You know, the exciting part of my career is just getting started. You know, I don't I don't want to be one of these 0 three guys you know, that are in and out of the UFC. I, I want to come in here, make a statement, have exciting fights, and uh, have some fun, see the world. So. So luckily, my second fight, you know, I have such a big opportunity to to go out, see some of the world and uh, beat someone up and get paid. You know, how cool is that? The TD Garden's not on the bucket list. Oh, I got a game plan for when I win this fight. And uh, I know the TD like so. So the UFC, uh, there was rumors for them to come early this year. I don't think that came to fruition. But uh, when I win, I, I uh I'm going to be talking some shit about getting uh, the UFC back in Boston, and then I, I got a call out to make, but I got I got some shit to worry about before that. Well, that's what we got to look forward to in that post-fight interview of who you're going to call out there mm-hmm. with Tom, man. As always, uh, appreciate Tom. Of course, uh, let me know anything for you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? No, hey, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I'm excited to show up for this fight and uh, expect fireworks. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that's going to be, look, he's he's in title season. Looking to catch that strap here, the middleweight strap here at Art of War Cage Fighting 28. Earl, appreciate the time. You know, before we even get to, you know, your your career and, and where you're at right now, the thing that I kind of want to start off with is I was always on your Instagram page. And you're talking, you know, the fact that you're the lead instructor, uh, lead instructor at 302 uh, BJ Muay Thai there uh, in Delaware. And, and then I saw this, this this post you had about, you know, talking about beware of culture vultures as an instructor, coach, role model, professor. Your students are directly impacted by the career choices you made or will make. So I, when I saw the IG post, I was like, okay, there had to be someone in your life that kind of led you to kind of having that mentality. Mm, yeah, you know what? That's There's so much that goes into that post there. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm a martial artist. Forget this professional MMA stuff, title stuff. Like martial arts has changed my life, and it's such a powerful tool. I've seen it change the lives of children, and grown adults, and uh, this stuff is extra to me. Professional fighting, making this stuff is extra, and why I really do this is uh, I influence children, I influence people, and they're like, you know what, man? If my coach can do this and change his life with the upcoming that he had. I can do it too. So some people in this um, in martial arts, they do it for different reasons. They do it for money. They mm-hmm. they want to be. I'm Mr. Big Shot. Follow me. I'm the guy. And you know, again, that's why I call you a culture vulture. People are culture vultures. You mm-hmm. see it in the music industry, in the television industry. You see it in a lot of different industries. You're starting to see it more in MMA. Uh, people want to be famous and make money. So when does the martial arts journey start for you? <laughs> Birth. you know i didn't really have a choice and it sounds like a sad horrible thing but it's really not um i grew up i'm a romani child gypsy and i grew up in a gypsy culture where the men in the family are fighters and like you're a valued male when you can fight i mean you find value in other things to be able to work and um in this culture a lot is like being a man of god things like that but if you can fight, it don't matter. You, This guy can be a millionaire. You can be a fighter. You're the man. You're the millionaire. You know, people have a lot of respect for that. And uh, that carries on to my upbringing, how I was raised, and my pop just since birth. <laughs> Seriously, I just, 
I remember just fighting on the floor, you know, as entertainment to my family, wrestling on the floor, putting gloves on, fighting on the floor, uh, seeing my family members get into altercations regularly. Um, And my pop was like, you know what? We're going to put you in um, wrestling uh, at a young age. Mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu came along when I was about 11. And here I am now, 29, about to be 29 years old. You know, that's, that's a long time, 18 years of getting it. My whole life basically was fighting and grappling. The AMI debut, according to Topology, was back in 2014. When was the decision made that I'm going to start taking amateur mixed martial arts matchups? Man, when I was a kid, I had such big aspirations, Jason. And you know what? A lot of those aspirations kind of got taken from me, uh, just from personal things in my life that made my life difficult. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of had to regain those at a later date. Um, I had to get my personal life together, uh, which allowed me to say, I can still start a career in this. When I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be the champion. I'm going to be number one. I'm at such an advantage. Mm -hmm. I was a young guy competing against black belts and and world champions, but I was a teenager. I know I have footage of me competing against these, the big name guys at the time. And me, you know, still being in high school. So it gave me so much courage to be like, man, when I put my time into this, I'm going to kill it. Uh, but I'd had some personal issues between m- me and my family that uh, just put a halt to that. So I started to become an instructor to help pay bills and get a roof over my head instead of slowly focusing on being an MMA fighter. Um, I kind of had a little balance between the two. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I think I'd might have just been a senior in high school or just graduated i was like i'll take an amateur fight whatever um and i debuted for the cffc on the same card i think paul felder won the championship in uh the 2300 arena like as you you talk about those adversities and and the other thing you talked about there was was balancing your schedule and balancing life i mean and i think we can all relate to that but for you you know you're a lead instructor but also like right now you're preparing for a title fight How, how do you balance those two things it's tough and this is man you're doing a great job jason because you you're bringing up some great points here um I'm kind of blessed and cursed at the same time because what do a lot of pro athletes do? They build up a great big career, perhaps save up some money, start a family and a business. Um, I was kind of given this opportunity to become an instructor. It was passed down on me because my former instructor and coach wasn't quite hitting the quota, wasn't doing the right job, and he got fired, and I was just the up-and-coming guy. So it was passed down to me. So I'm kind of blessed in that fact that when I retire from professional fighting, I have a career, I have a school, I have students. Um, I don't need to take a big, huge investment out and start from square one. Uh, but then again, at the same time, a lot of my peers, um, Petrosky is a good one, Andre Petrosky, Joe Pfeiffer, these guys I've known forever, Pfeiffer since I was a little kid. They're superstars now, but they've had the past 10 years to just be like, me, 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 me focus on train me train me train me and be a little bit more selfish where like you're saying um in about an hour or so i'm going to teach kids class and then i'm going to teach an adult class and in in between that adult class i'm going to try to get some rounds in for myself then i'll work afterwards so Mm -hmm. it it has taken a longer time but um 
one day I'll be at the table with all those guys, and I think my meal will be maybe this much more sweeter because I did it my way. The nickname Trouble. Who, who uh, gave it to you? This is a good question here, bro. Um, so my whole life, a, a lot of people, they don't know me as Earl because my father's name is Earl, my grandfather's Earl, cousins are Earl. I'm born in this crazy gypsy family. Uh, they really believe in namesakes. It's a big honor to name a child after somebody. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we're all kind of named after my grandfather. And <laughs> my father had actually had two women pregnant at once. And I was the second one. So, okay. as a joke, my uncles were like, man, that, that's trouble right there. That's trouble. Like, yeah, you're in trouble for that one. And uh, it just happened to stick. Is it a nickname you like? Because, like, you know, you know, people always talk about, like, in, the, in this this combat sports industry of, like, man, you can't give yourself your own nickname. But then some guys will say, hey, man, I really dig it. But they're always like, God, you know what? I really wish I would have got another name. No, I love it, man. Um, my, I got respect for my uncles. My great uncle is actually the one, my grandfather's brother. I have so much respect for the culture of my family. So for them just to give me that name, it's just, I just happen to kind of live in it when I when I fight. I'm a great dude outside of the outside of the cage. I don't indulge. I never indulge in a drink of alcohol or smoked a cigarette. I don't do any drugs. I've never been to jail. Um, I just am good at fighting and you can be in trouble when you fuck with me. In terms of like, you know, that, that life outside of fighting, what do you do to get your mind off? I mean, obviously, I mean, this is, this is 24 seven for you because, you know, running a school, but also, you know, preparing for a fight. Like what do you do to kind of get your mind off just that daily grind? Man, another great question, man. I love to travel. I love to, uh, again, it's in my blood, really. I'm pretty nomadic. I would love to be on an airplane, on a train, on a bus somewhere, just meeting new people and socializing. Um, And when I am at home, bro, I'm a nerd. It doesn't look like it. I got cool tattoos and my Instagram looks pretty badass, but man, I watch anime. I play video games. Mm -hmm. Like we're streaming now on a $4,000 PC. Like I'm a big gamer nerd. Um, I watch the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just, I'm a normal dude, basically. I, I'm I'm a normal dude. I don't indulge that much in the night scene or go out a bunch and drink. I'm a little bit different in that sense. Uh, but I, I feel like I'm a pretty normal dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I work for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network, so... Uh... Mm. Uh, you know, so so Monday night will be there'll mm. be a little battle between us. <laughs> I don't know, man. That man Tom Brady is a bad dude. Yeah, man. There's uh being able to watch in the last three years, you you see why he is who he is, you know, and phenomenal. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that like for you, like when you like, do you do you find yourself looking at other greats of other sports and, and try to see maybe maybe try to read into to their mentality of, of how they go to battle. Um, I admire mostly combat, uh, people in combat sports. I just, it's like the pinnacle of competition and you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen the quotes and stuff. Joe Rogan or somebody will say, it's like you win a game of basketball. Cool. But at the end of the day, it's like, can you beat me? And it's this primitive sense. It's kind of archaic in humans. It's, you can be the smartest guy in the room. You can have the most money. It doesn't matter. Like. You put us both in a room, I'm going to walk out. I'm the more dominant male in that aspect. And it's kind of embedded in, in the culture I was born in. So I really look at combat sports. Uh, I idolize those guys. And any man, 
doesn't even have to be who I think is the greatest. I admire any man who's willing to just throw on that armor and go out and fight, who's willing to put it all on the line. I don't care if, what his record is. I have such respect for that for that person. And no, go ahead, go ahead. No, that, I was going to sums it up. No, I was going to say is because you know you mentioned about how much you you lo- you love to travel, you love to get out, meet people, all that. Like as you think about your combat sports mixed martial arts career are there bucket list venues that you say before i'm done i want to fight in this place man i have fantasized a little bit about that um and i'm not you know what i'm not too particular i did get to fight in new jersey which was a big sense for me i grew up in jersey it was my first loss but not too bad heard about i think i did the job um it was a great time a great experience fighting atlantic city after seeing so many of my friends and uh people i idolize teammates of mine fight there i got to experience that too um anywhere man if i can get on a fucking plane i don't care if i go to the moon mars uh (laughs) anywhere if i just get to travel i'm a blessed individual you know just to do this in general something that i love to do and somebody's gonna pay to put my ass on a plane to punch somebody that's awesome i'll do it in my backyard so they're gonna put me in a big venue in a different place Hell yeah, let's go. What about fight night do you love the most? Obviously, it's it's about going there, competing, getting the dub, getting that paycheck, but is there something else that you love the most about fight night? You know what, Jason? I kind of like, and maybe it's true, but I, I don't believe in a lot of these fighters that are like, man, it's just, I fucking love it. It's the greatest. You know, I get, mm-hmm. when it's fight night, I'm ready to go. Um because a lot of the bravest men I ever seen are, have been pretty honest, and they're just like, "Man, this is a scary ass fucking thing," and it is. Like you're putting your life on the line, you're putting your reputation on the line. So fight night for me is, um, it's not a fun experience. It's a uh, a lifetime of hard work put onto a 15 minute match, and uh, it can give you a lot of anxiety. So. For me, you're asking what are good things about it. Man, I surround myself with great people. I put on the best type of music I like to do. We just tell funny stories. I get warmed up. I go out there and send it. I have a lot of me time. Uh, I put music on and I talk to myself. You got to become crazy. And I'm like, you know, it's time to perform. Like, you're the man. I speak to myself in my mind Mm -hmm. in the way that a lot of other athletes do in other sports too. Um, I kind of become narcissistic. You almost got to be. Um, you tell yourself, you know, you're prepared. You're going to fucking dominate. Sometimes you do think negatively, uh, but you got to just kick that out. And once it's all done, yes, that's my favorite part. You know, get, get a meal and, uh, take some pictures with my fans. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, it's like when I hear people talk about, oh, that guy's a cocky fighter. I'm like, well, what do you expect him to be? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I, like, I think like this, uh, look, I'm not a fighter. I'm just a guy who just, you know, sit here and reports on the sport. But like, to me, my mindset is like every, every, you know, guy, woman who, who walks into that cage or ring, they have to have the mentality that they're the baddest MF in the world. Yeah. God, geez. I can't imagine without it. You know what? And Jason, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes a lot of it is fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. And I will, I'll call out all these dudes. And uh, maybe with a select few percent, but if you look at the great, great, great athletes like a Muhammad Ali or a McGregor, a Tyson, those guys are like narcissistic. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. There's no way like they had to convince themselves that. So it's almost like who can do that the most? 
uh, until you believe it yourself. And that's what a lot of fighting is, man. It's about believing in yourself and just doing shit you don't want to do. So you're right. You make a very good point by saying, what else are you supposed to be? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to walk in there beaten before you know you even stepped in there. Uh, but you got Greg Ellis here for, for the middleweight title here on, on February 3rd. Uh, when I was looking on Tapology, is this only a three-round fight? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, I don't know. That's just, just the way it is. And I, I'm hoping the fight doesn't even go past one round. So yeah. uh, whatever, whatever it is, three-round, unlimited rounds, it just is what it is. I signed a contract, ready to fight. What's your thoughts on, on Greg in terms of his abilities? I think that Greg um, is a good prospect who had gone on a little bit of a losing streak when he tried to take on some pretty good dudes. Uh, mm-hmm. When I, whenever I'm going to fight somebody, I completely indulge myself in their career. I watch their mm-hmm. fights, their footage, training, anything that I can do. Yeah. And he tried to take a step up in competition to kind of make that next step. And he just fought some pretty good guys. Um so I think he sees me um, as kind of a revival in his career. If he can beat another prospect, then it puts him right back in that drawing board of guys. Um, I just don't think that he has the complete tools to beat me. I think he's a great athlete, a tough dude, gets out and gets it, has way more experience than me, a lot more fights than me. I think he has eight Amy fights. Um, but what I have isn't on paper. We, we had spoke – I've been fighting since birth. So what it says on topology isn't the truth. I have thousands and thousands of competitions under my belt. And uh, I think that's going to be the difference. Uh, You know, obviously, you know, no one, I I always feel like, you know, no one ever says, Hey, I want that 15 minute more. I'm trying to get in and out as, as quick as possible. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you visualize this thing thousands of times of how it can go. I mean, ultimately, how, how do you see the victory coming for yourself? As I get deeper into my professional career, these motherfuckers are getting tougher and harder. Mm-hmm. Um, if this guy gives up the opportunity for me to finish him, it's going to happen. I'm a finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on what he gives me. If this guy's coming in, trains hard, and does what he's supposed to do, then I'm willing to go an hour, an infinite time. Put me in a room with this guy and nobody else in there, and just whoever comes out as a survivor, it's going to be me. Uh, that's fighting to me to, in general. So, um, anyway, he gives it up. I know I'm looked at as a grappler, but for my entire professional career, I've been putting my hands on my teammates, and I've been working with a lot of great strikers. I just happen to be able to submit all these dudes. So... <laughs> If he can stop the submission, then he's going to be very surprised. Does it bother you if someone underestimates what you can do on the feet? No, because like it's kind of a trade-off, right? They're like, oh, I know what I can do. I can beat this dude with the hands, so I'm going to accept this fight. They end up getting submitted anyways. Um, but if that day comes and I can't take somebody down, like, like uh, against my opponent, Miles Lee, I lost the fight, but it was very controversial because I beat the shit out of him on the feet and he landed one takedown in three rounds. Somehow I lost the fight, uh, but I pieced him up with the hands and I think people were really surprised. Like, Oh, this isn't just a guy who wears a jujitsu gi and teaches shrimp drills to kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been taking this shit serious. Do you, do you view this matchup here on, on the third as, as 
basically the, the fight that's going to get you to that next step, the, the, the bigger promotions in, in the United States? A lot of people are saying it. A lot of people are saying it. And Jason, let's look at the track record for Art Award. The last guys to hold these titles were Andre Petrowski, Joe Pfeiffer, both at 85, and both big names coming out of the Philadelphia tri-state area. So it's pretty big, man. I hold this thing. Maybe I defend it once. Uh, maybe I take a fight for another place. Who knows? But what everybody's saying is I'm that next guy to take the jump. I have had uh, hints from my management. Hey, Earl, there's a short notice fight coming up from the UFC. I say yes to all of them that fall through. Um, so I know I'm on that radar, and I know I'm one of those guys that if the phone call comes, my management knows, you know, hit this crazy gypsy kid up because he'll fight somebody off the couch. That's awesome. Well, good luck here in the matchup here on the third. Of course, uh, let her know that you can follow you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? You guys can check me all out uh, on social media, trouble underscore 302BJJ. I just want to thank you, Jason, for the time of having me on here, man. Uh, it really is an undersaid thing. It's kind of an understatement here in this community of MMA. The journalism is a huge thing. You give us a reason. To, uh, you give us a platform. Uh, people that are up and coming or even on the highest level, you make being a fighter a pleasure. So thank you for the hard work that you do, man. I really appreciate it. Joining me now here on the MMA Report, man's going to step inside competition for the second time in his very young career. He makes me feel old when I go to his Instagram and realize he's only 20 years old. Makes me feel a little older here. Mac, uh, appreciate the time, man. You know, when uh, I was, when your manager was telling me a, a little bit about you, uh, the first thing, obviously, is wrestling uh, coming mm -hmm. up here. So, when does wrestling start in your life? How young were you when you first started hitting the mats? Um, I mean, I started when I was five years old, but I actually ended up quitting. I didn't win a match my first year at all, and I hated it, but. My dad got me into it. He wrestled in high school, um, but I a couple of years later, you know, he was helping out with the wrestling, and I think I was in about sixth grade. And I said, "Hey, Dad, you know, can I come back and wrestle?" And then sixth grade was really when I dialed into it and got back, and there we were. And, and of course, uh, you know, just looking at under seventeen, under twenty, under twenty three division, all American wrestlers. So, do you remember was, was there an age where you started to kind of think about? martial arts of, of potentially that you would transition to that? Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't even start watching MMA until I was 17. You know, I was really set on wrestling. Wrestling was my thing, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling. I was like, I was all about that. And then I, you know, around my friends, I kind of got introduced to it. I always knew that MMA was a thing and I always thought it was like pretty cool. I thought fighting was pretty cool, but I never really thought about it. And I watched some guys, and I watched, you know, I saw some Dan Henderson. You know, he was a Greco guy. He's Olympian. And I was like, oh, that guy's kind of, that's a kind of badass. I like that. So, you know, kind of got into that. And I was like, hmm, I kind of want to try it, you know. And then I kind of fell in love with it after the first day. And uh, do you remember the first fight you watched? The first fight I watched actually was the Conor McGregor and uh, Jose Aldo fight. That was the first fight I ever watched. But I didn't really watch very much after it. But I think when I really started to get into it was uh, the last Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic fight. Yeah. After that, I was like, yeah, I love it. I really <laughs> love it. Yeah. So, so when do you actually first step into the Academy? I stepped into the Academy first. I think it was about a year and a half ago. 
um, about a year and like eight months, something like that. I walked in, you know, just told him a little bit about myself. I was looking for like an MMA gym and that was, you know, I heard some great things about it, you know, great training partners, um, started one of their intro classes. And they said, yeah, you can just start rolling with striking right away and start with the pro team stuff pretty quick. But yeah, stepped in, got right into it, loved it. Great place. Obviously, with that wrestling background, how long did it take you to get comfortable with the striking aspect of the game? The striking aspect? It took me a while. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, I started in just like basic class, classes at the start. And you know that feeling when you first learn something and you think you know everything. And then I got thrown in with the pro team. And I learned very quickly that, you know, I wasn't comfortable. But then, you know, I started training with those high-level guys really quick. You know, I got some great partners and, you know, Mike Richmond. Bare Knuckle Boxer, Animal, mm-hmm. Troy Jones, um, Josh Fleck, Bailey Schoenfeld. You know, we got some dogs that have really helped me, you know, and kind of sped up that process. And then took me took me a while, but now I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And, of course, uh, it's been almost a year since you've been in competition. I know you had an IG post where you said, finally healthy and in the lab again, January 2023, I'm back. So uh, in terms of, of being on the sidelines, you know, obviously you're so young in your career, you're going to grow so much just month in to month out. But, like, what, like, how do you describe 2022 from, you know, say March to December? Um. So March to December. So what happened is I was still kind of, in my wrestling career and MMA career. So what happened is I went to compete in the U.S. Open. And, you know, I had a I had a pretty hefty weight cut. I was getting down from about, about 210 to 215. I was wrestling 82 kilos, so it was 180 pounds. You know, probably not the smartest decision with day of weigh-ins. But I got sick in the process of that weight cut a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't compete the best. And then I went to the junior world team trials. You know, I didn't compete. You know, I still took third and I took second in the trials. But, you know. I was looking for that number one, but I, I kept getting sick. So I went from competing at 82 kilos, competed at 97 kilos a month later, which is 213 pounds. And I ended up re-separating and then having a small labrum tear and small rotator cuff tear in my right shoulder. So I, I was getting prepped for, a, I wanted to fight in September, but after that tournament, my shoulder injuries kind of just caught up to me. So I was taking time to recover, really, really working on my PT and just re-strengthening. And then also it was a great opportunity for me to kind of get comfortable striking, you know, because honestly, looking at my last fight, I was not comfortable striking. You know, I thought I was comfortable, but I got in there and I was like, whoa, you know, kind of that shock feeling. But now I I took that experience and I took that time off to say, all right, we're really going to focus on learning how to strike, how to blend it. You know, I don't just want to be able to one, two, and then smash. I want to, you know, I want to be advanced. I want to be able to counter. I want to be able to do all these things. So it's really a, a rebuilding year for me from my mental standpoint and kind of, all right, we got a lot to learn. Let's take this time to get healthy and figure it out. Like, do you correlate it at all in terms of, you know, getting confidence on the feet, the way you had to get confidence on the mat early on in your wrestling days? Um. Yeah. You know, I kind of just think of it as a reset, you know, my wrestling career, I, I got good by not listening. I had a really good, I read a really unorthodox style where I wanted, you know, I love big throws. I love that, you know, and they're like mm-hmm. double leg, single leg shoot, you know, that, and I, and I, and I wanted to throw. So that was kind of the thing where it's, you know, getting comfortable in the more advanced stuff and kind of teaching. So I think, I think it's very similar to me. I just like, I like learning a lot. I like picking up new things, you know, the more techniques and figuring out how to blend them was kind of my thing. So 
once I figured out how to blend new striking techniques, yeah, I felt like it was pretty similar. You know, once you understand the base positions, you know, I put my feet here, you know, my center of gravity is here. This is how we stay in good position. Then we just start building off that and get a little crazy. Like, like is your mentality with these early fights, it's just about repetition and, and, and getting time in the cage and getting more comfortable. Is that, is, is that how you look at it? Yeah. That's the biggest thing for me is comfort. You know, my wrestling, you know, I, like I, I talked to my coaches, I said, you know, my wrestling style is crazy. You know, I feel like I I'm comfortable in the crazy. So it's, you know, finding ways to blend everything, take that time to blend and just the extra repetition, because I mean, striking there, it's, you know, there's similar aspects in all combat mm -hmm. sports, but it's not the same. So I can't just go in there trying to do, so it's, it's about getting these reps, finding a way to blend my styles as best as possible with my wrestling is the biggest thing for me right now. Just finding ways to make it work, make the puzzle work, find all the pieces. You know, your first fight was 11 months ago. Like, as you think about mm -hmm. your, your headspace heading into that one and, and what you were expecting, all that in comparison to what it's like now, you're two weeks out from that fight. How, how is it just a complete 180? Yeah, I oh my god, it's been a complete turn because that last fight it was supposed to be a welterweight. I'm fighting at middleweight this time. You know that was a bit of a weight cut for me that I shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done. So you know, honestly, my headspace. I was so worried about cutting the weight. I I I look at it as I wasn't focused on the fight itself. I was so worried about losing the weight, and then I reflect on it, and I was like, you know, that time I should have been dialing in on getting better, fine tuning how I'm feeling. You know, I was so worried and, you know, and getting better during practice, you know, I was spending so much time just, I need to sweat. I need to stuff like that. So my approach to the whole thing has been completely different. My preparation has been different. I'm feeling amazing. I feel great right now. Um, but then, yeah, that's the biggest thing is making sure I feel good, you know, mentally and physically last time I didn't feel good either this time I feel good. And that's the biggest thing. Is 85 where you kind of expect your career will be at? Or, or do you think potentially as you, you get older and grow that maybe it's it's 205? You know, it, I think 85 will be a good spot for me. You know, I'm not necessarily the tallest. I'm about 5'11". You know, I'm a little bit thicker than most um, guys. But I think middleweight's going to be a great home. You know, I'm still kind of in between. You know, I've talked to my coaches. Um, you know, I might actually drop down to 70 later down the line when it comes to it. Um, cause I'm walking around comfortably around like a 195 to 198, you know, got some diet things okay. in check and the way my frame works, you know, realistically, like if there was like a 175, it would be perfect. You know, yeah. I just need to, I just need to plan it right and all that. So right now we're, we're taking my amateur fights at 185 getting the reps, getting the experience. And then, you know, down the road, you know, when there's more money involved, obviously, you know, there's more reasons and there's more time for me to cut weight and focus on the cutting weight. That might be a thing. But 85 is looking pretty good for me right now. I like the sound of 185. Do you, have, do you and your coaches have a game plan on, on how many amateur fights you want to get before uh, you, you ultimately make that, that turn to pro? Um, we don't have any set kind of like fight, you know, fight amount that we're looking for. It's kind of just a comfort thing with me. You know, being, being a young guy in this with, you know, most wrestlers, you know, start fighting after college. You know, yeah. they'll be... 24 and 25 or before they get their first fight or something and, you know i'm still 20 don't turn 21 until may 26th so i got plenty of time so it's biggest thing for me is is just take my time in between them acquire as much skill as i can and back to the comfort thing is the biggest thing you know once once i truly feel comfortable blending my styles 
then I, then you know we'll be ready. That's what that's what that's what it sounded like. In terms of this uh, this life outside of fighting, you know, when it's uh, you know, like we're talking here on a Friday afternoon, it's a Friday night. Uh, you know, you, you get out of the gym and you can relax a little bit. Uh, what what do you like to do? Um, when I'm relaxing, I actually spend a lot of time um, working, um, working and coaching. So I'm uh, uh, I do sports performance and strength and conditioning. So I'm the strength and conditioning coach at a high school. And then my brother's actually a senior in high school. He's wrestling right now. And I spend a lot of time coaching him, you know, working with him. So I do, I do his personal training. And then we spend a lot of time on the mats doing some extra work, extra rolling around. So my life kind of revolves around sports and martial arts. Mm-hmm. So I'm spending a lot of my time there. Um, you know, I'll go and support the school. You know, I'll go to sport their sporting events and watch the people that I train and do that stuff. But Outside of fighting, you know, I mean, it's pretty much just sports and recovery, getting back at it. You know, it's kind of the only thing I really think about. So stay dialed in on fighting, stay dialed in on the body, and I like it. So was the family on board with you uh, going down this fighting route? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> not, <laughs> at, not at all. My dad, he was kind of, you know, you know where you want to be and stuff like that, you know, and, you know, because wrestling was my dream. You know, my, my goal originally was I wanted to be an Olympian. You know, still kind of thinking about that. I'm still considering um, entering the 2024 Olympic trials. Um, but my mom was like, do you really want it? You know, she's like, you're going to get beat up. Your face is going to get all of this. And she's like, you already wanted to wrestle. And that was crazy enough. You know, so she's flipped. She's been pretty supportive. She wasn't originally going to go to my first fight. Um, she said, no, I can't watch it. And then I ended up surprising me and being there. And that was awesome. But yeah, no, they were not on. I mean, my dad was kind of iffy, but my mom was like, no, no, no. But now they're, they're in and they're supporting it, which is great. Is your brother going to going to follow the, the, you in, in this MMA journey or, or do you think that's not for him? Uh, we'll see. You know, we kind of talked to him about, um, you know, college football or college wrestling has kind of been something I've been trying to say, cause he's honestly, he's got a better build than me. You know, he's got some really long arms, he's like six foot one you know about he's about 205 pounds so he's he's got a good build for it you know and he's been around the gym a little bit he hasn't necessarily trained the martial arts but he's been in and out wrestling you know at the academy a couple times you know he's trained with some of our pro guys a little bit you know whenever he has like a break from school or a weekend but uh you know i said hey you know if you want to try it i'm more than willing to get you in there you know we'd love to have you in terms of uh, as you think about 2023 and and the things you want to accomplish this year in terms of, of martial arts, what's what's kind of on on that uh, that goal list? Um, biggest thing for me, um, I would say finding comfort in striking, and and I'm looking to get probably I would say two to three fights would be a good goal for me. You know, I'm still. I'm kind of leaving April open because I might go back and still wrestle this year, just enter a couple tournaments, you know, because the U.S. Open is a big deal. And then I'm still, you know, I'm eligible for the under 23 age group. You know, I've already done pretty well in that age division, but making the actual world team, you know, represent the country would be pretty nice. I've never made a world team in wrestling. I've been a world team alternate three years in a row. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of, that would be a good goal for me real quick. So yeah, I would say three fights. If I can make a U23 world team doing that too, um, help my brother out a little bit, do whatever I can. But yeah, three three amateur fights sounds pretty good. Get myself ready to go pro in 2024 would be nice. We'll, we'll leave on a little fun one so people can kind of get to know your personality a little bit. Uh, you know, you walk into the academy tonight and they say, you got control of the music. What's going on in the speakers? Control the music? Oof, Pitbull Radio. Every time we're going to Pandora, <laughs> Pitbull Radio. Can't go wrong. 
Mr. 305, every time, get that thing bumping. You got Matt Kukowski jumping. We're about to have the practice of your life. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Yeah. We're rolling, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome, Mac, man. I appreciate you getting a chance to get to know you. Of course, uh, let everyone know they can find you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Hey, you know, I'm coming, man. Give me time. You know, still young, but you're going to get familiar with this name. Put on a show, slam people around. You want some high action, heavy hands, big throws, everything. Mac Kukowski is your guy, so tune in. And there you have my conversations with Adam Mack. Don and Earl there. Appreciate all those men coming on this edition of the MMA Report podcast. Uh, you know, going back from that Adam interview, obviously the big takeaway is him talking about, you know, the, the testing that he did at the UFC PI and realizing that uh, he needed to put on size in, in comparison to what the other UFC welterweights there. Also, I think the other big uh, takeaway from that, that conversation is uh, clearly he, some people must be telling him that uh, he's viewed as a gatekeeper. Uh, I would not say that, but uh, interesting the way he put that there. Uh, then the interview with Don and uh, you know look it was a I was going to bring up the question of training because he had been training at Glory MMA and Fitness and uh, he moved there to the Northeast so um, you know I wasn't going to hammer him on that question I just you know it's one of those things of and I think it's going to be anytime that I interview somebody who's trained at Glory it's just going to kind of throw throw it out there and and see what they give you maybe there'll be follow up maybe there won't be but uh, interesting there from Don and of course also talking about you know kind of how he's preparing for the travel aspect down there to Perth then you heard uh, the conversation with Earl Small who I think as a guy, you need to be remember that name because I have a really suspicion, just pure, no, no inside information on this, just pure speculation on my part. But I kind of feel like if he wins his next fight, we're going to see him in the UFC or Bellator. And then Mac, you know, getting, you know, a 20 year old kid. I mean, it's like, yeah, so I'm doing this interview. I'm like, good Lord. Like I am 41 years old and this guy is 20 years old. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's getting to that point in my, um, my time here. And I may am realizing how old I am. I am getting it that way, but could get a chance to get to know Mac there. Uh, by the way, uh, speak, you know, on Wednesday's episode of the podcast, me and Dan were kind of talking about the fact of how there really hasn't been much, uh, updates on the betting scandal well of course that happened on uh so was it friday night the story came out over at espn.com great story if uh you did not hear it as uh you know it was uh, the title was sources suspended mma coach james kraus worked with a offshore book and this comes from david purdom if you did not see this one uh saying that uh, james kraus worked as an agent and this is what it says in the article. It says, James Krause, 36, has worked as an agent, the term for a middleman between offshore sportsbooks and bettors for abcbetting.ag, according to people who have wagered with him as far back as 2019. Uh, and it goes on to say, it talks, and one of the more interesting parts about this is the fact that Derek Minner did comment to ESPN.com, which is amazing to me. Uh, the article did say that they have, uh, you know, they attempted to reach out to Krause. He has not, uh, uh, has not uh, given, you know, given them any comment. The article says that Minner told ESPN last week that he has not been contacted by the FBI. Asked whether anything improper happened before the November 5th fight, Minner said, absolutely not. Nothing out of the ordinary. When I read that, the first part of that from the article, I am, I would be, it is shocking to me that Derek Minner has not talked to the FBI. That, that is shocking to me, if that is uh, the case in that. Um, the article goes on to say, Minner told ESPN that he had a minor knee injury before the fight, that he injured further during the bout. A doctor later determined that he tore ligaments around the knee. 
then he goes on to say, he says, uh, he goes, uh, asked whether Kraus might be involved in offshore betting operations. Meyer declined to comment. He said he would have he would have his attorney answer further questions and end the phone call. He did not provide the attorney's name, and no attorney for Minner reached out to ESPN. Minner did not respond to subsequent messages from ESPN. Uh, the article goes then goes on to say it says Corey Sources spoke to ESPN on the condition and amenity. Kraus was an agent for Costa Rica-based online sports book, ABC betting.hg betters who said they wagered with Kraus told ESPN he provided them with a line of credit and login information. They placed their wagers on the site and paid Kraus directly. They said one source who bet with Kraus told ESPN that money was exchanged using Venmo or PayPal. I mean, this is, and so you just go on, you read this story and you just kind of go, Oh my goodness. What? Like it's one of these things where you're like, at what point are we going to get to the next layer of this story? What is going to happen in terms of the story? That to me is the big question question mark in terms of this one. Um, you know, what what is going to be the next layer of this story? And at what point could we see some type of charges come down or, or what may happen uh, in terms of that one? So, man, it's a story that continues to develop. We'll see if we have any further developments when we have uh, the next episode of the podcast, which will come out on Wednesday. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day, download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that. The, of course, the midweek edition is also available on YouTube. If you can uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, like, comment, and uh, of course, uh, be sure to check out our sponsor, Harry's, the great offer they have for the MA Report podcast. Let's talk about that on the last episode of the podcast. So uh, appreciate their support here on the podcast. Let's go to it for this edition of the MA Report podcast, which comes out two times a week on Sunday. It's the interview edition. Then on the midweek edition on Wednesday, it's myself and Dale Gava on talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. <laughs>